I got to say, thank you to the Cavs because that was a whole mess of fun last night. It really was. It was kind of everything I had hoped last night's game against the Kings would be because the Kings like to score points. They don't like to play defense very much. But we got to see a couple of vintage Sabonis moments early in that game. Um, but really, I mean, it was the Donovan show. It was, it was the Cavs show. And that was an incredibly impressive win. And you got to see... I was just telling Andy Roth this. My favorite part about last night's game is the Kings kept making these mini runs, you know, 8-0 runs, 10-2 runs, little stuff like that. But they never, like, they got just, okay, we got to, like, 10, 10, uh, 10 points out of, of like, making it a game. That's a 10-point game now. And then the Cavs would just slingshot into a 10-point run of their own. So it was never really close. I will say it, it helped us hit the parlay again. But the Cavs got the 136-110 win over the Kings at home last night. And, you know, I mentioned Donovan Mitchell. I, I I don't know how to say this any other way, guys. Darius Garland's fantastic. Watching Donovan Mitchell run point on this offense is a different experience. And a lot of it is adding that extra elite shooter on the court, at which point, by the way, has been Darius from time to time. But watching Donovan bring the ball down the court and kick the ball out to the corner, there was a great pass to Okoro, who's been kind of steadily hitting his three-point shots. Um, Evan took another three-point shot last night, which is something we have to talk about. But that exactly, like that, what you saw last night, it was Max Drews' night. He went six from ten from three, but like Sam Merrill got in on it. And, and listen, last night exactly, not necessarily sustainable. They hit 56% of their threes, and they hit 23 three-pointers on 41 attempts. That's not the most sustainable thing in the world. But, you know, 40% from shooting, if you can keep guys like Merrill and Struess in that rhythm and Dean Wade gets his chance, he was two for two last night, and Yang gets his chances, he did not fare as well. But, like, this is kind of how it's supposed to look with Darius and Donovan on the court. And it's so funny because how I think about Cleveland sports is in the moment I'm doing the thing of like oh my god this is so much fun for they went 14 of 15 this is exactly how you do it this is exactly what you need to do you're mad and listen there's a lot of conversations that can stem from this but like you can't control any of that what matters most is are you taking full control of your advantage you won and so right now you've got I don't think it's a half game lead on Milwaukee but you've got like a 0.007% lead on Milwaukee for the two seed in the Eastern Conference. And they've got a matchup with the Suns tonight that, I mean, could give you even more control of the two seed in the Eastern Conference. But, like, there is a part of my brain that that Cleveland sports PTSD, as soon as I just settle into, man, how fun was that? Great job, Max Struess. I like that two things happen when Lima's out on paternity leave. I love that Ken can't can't officially say that he's flipping the switch because Lima's out. And I also love that Max Struess has arguably his second best game of the season when Lima's out. Because Lima has been anti-Struess. That's fair to say. I'm not paraphrasing anything un- unfairly there, which I occasionally do. But my Cleveland sports PTSD, the second that I admit, how much fun is this? The first two thoughts I had post that, and that, and all of us have some sort of post-traumatic deal with Cleveland sports. We do. 
Some of us, maybe it shows its head with the Browns, some of us with the Guardians, some of it with uh, the Cavs. I tend to have it react differently for each team. Like for the Cavs, because they because this isn't a LeBron-led Cavs team, the two things I go to are, all right, should we judge him in a hot streak? And like I think that's a so that's a valid question. Whether you're whether you're saying, all right, this is great. They're 14 and 1 in their last 15 games, but like at some point they're going to cool down. Right? It, it, I mean, it just stands to reason. You're not winning 14 to 15 games from here on out. Now the difference is, can you win 700% of your games? Can you win can you get to uh I think right now, I'm actually going to have to check it. I think right now the Cavs have in the Eastern Conference the last time I checked, I think their winning percentage was something like, eh, let me make sure here. Yeah, 667. If you get to seven, 760 is where Boston is, that they're winning 76% of their games. I don't know you're going to get there, but that's, listen, can you keep it in the anywhere from six, you know, 65% of your games to 70% of your games? Because that's what you're going to need to do to sustain the, the two seed in the Eastern Conference or even try and make a serious run at the one seed. The problem is right now, Boston's really not slowing down themselves. They're playing 700 ball in their last 10 games. So, like, I'm I'm absolutely buying that the Cavs can take a run at the two seed because they're a two seed right now. But, like, okay, it when is the hot streak going to end? Like, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Or, or will there be a cool streak here at all? Instead of winning nine out of every 10 games or 14 out of every 15 games, are you going to be winning seven out of 10 games? Because that that's likely to happen given that this is happening at the beginning of, of, of February and you've got a lot of kind of natural landmarks in your way until the playoffs starting about uh, two and a half months from now. So like, okay, hot streak. You look at their schedule though. They've got Washington, Tomorrow night, that's a road game. They got uh, Brooklyn the next night, which is uh, another road game. Okay, I mean, that's back-to-backs. You just never know with back-to-backs. And then uh, on the 10th, they've got Toronto. And then after the Toronto game, they got a Philly game. Every one of those four games is winnable. So, oh, okay, well, what are the good teams they play in February? Guys, they don't play a lot of them. So... Outside of natural landmarks that break up any sort of uh, momentum, they're kind of right where they need to be. Now, there is, when we get back to the greater question, are you buying the Cavs as a two seed right now today? Which means you're buying or selling. You're either buying that this hot streak is going to somewhat maintain, they're never going to have a significant dip this season, and they're in it for the long run. That That's not the same thing as they totally win it, but at least that they're going to stay in the conversation. Last year, guys, they were in a conversation for a top six seed. They finish off the season really well, and you're able to claim a fourth seed. But at no point was I, I – it was more, are you buying the Cavs as a top four seed? There's a huge difference between that two seed and that four seed. Neither of them is a failure, just so we're very clear on this. But the other way in which my, my Cleveland sports post-traumatic brain – I almost said injury. I don't want to be insensitive, but how like my brain works because of being a Cleveland sports fan and being a Cavs fan is I go, is it possible they peak too soon? And that one I think is probably the most fair question right now. You don't want to play the best basketball of the season in 
late January and early February. Now, as everybody knows, you can have multiple streaks like this. So even if they don't go 14 of 15, or if, I mean, if they sweep the next uh, five games, which it looks like they really have a good chance at. So you take 19 of 20, which is a ridiculous feat, guys. That's one quarter of the season. That's the kind of hot streak the Cavs are on. But, like, at some point, they're going to have a little moment where they come back down to earth. At some point, then you have to restart all this. And right now, they're so hot offensively. And I think it is feeding into their defense. I kind of want to wait to see. Before I get too hopped up, before I get too antsy my pantsy on the Cavaliers and not on Kevin Stefanski, before I get too keyed up on this, I kind of want to see when that next lull comes and then how they get out of it. Whether that's offense, defense, whether the offense can get hot again later in the season, that's not to say that they can't be a two seed. Like at this point, they're they're there. They're in the conversation. But I think the two biggest questions that you can ask yourself are, okay, how much of this is a hot streak and how much of this is maintainable throughout the rest of the year? And then two, it's a question we used to ask ourselves about when's the right time to get hot with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't think there's a perfect answer. I just know the longer you have to stay hot, the harder it is to kind of keep that momentum going.